Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dinner with a Side of Sci-Fi. I'm Jason. And I'm Deva. Today, we will be making loaded chili baked potatoes while discussing the Light Brigade. Yeah, and our our recipe today is a little uh, uh, based on your common chili loaded baked potato recipe, but we're going to be kind of modifying it. We're going to be using Amy's chili bean chili just to make it a little easier. And then we're going to add some onions and garlic um, and some diced tomatoes to it. And then right now we're just baking the potatoes and then we're going to pile them all together and then have a nice hearty meal. All right. So I'm going to start chopping some onions, Jason, and I'll let you tell the potentially complicated tale of the light brigade. Let's see how I did. Cause it is, it's, it is not a straight line, this storyline. So In the 31st century, the Earth is ruled by corporations. People on Earth are either citizens, residents, or ghouls. Citizens have access to medical care, income, and and the internet, as well as other rights. Residents can work and have some limited rights, while ghouls have to scrape and scrounge for all of they have to survive. They basically don't exist to the government. Dietz grew up as a resident in the slums of Sao Paulo. Her father was a ghoul. Her mother was a resident. Her father was arrested early in her life. Only a few visits with him and the lies that he offered gave her family hope as they struggled to survive. Dietz eventually signs up for the Corps after Sao Paulo was blinked from existence by an attack from Mars, killing over 2 million people and destroying the moon. By this point, corporations have developed technology to convert soldiers into light, allowing them to deploy to distant places in minutes. After completing basic training, Dietz's first deployment as light results in an anomaly and made her rematerialize at one of her future drops, not one of the ones that she was expecting or had ever experienced before. She returns back to her base after each drop at a different time, never knowing when she will reappear. Fear of the consequences keep her from telling others about the anomaly. She is cursed with the knowledge of the future, but not having enough control to change it. With each drop, she learns of the death of friends that she hasn't experienced. Her initial confusion whenever she rematerializes earns her the name Bad Luck Dietz. Eventually, Dietz learns that Mars is not a threat, that the war is actually between competing corporations, and that the war will end in a plague intended to kill all Martian colonists that move to Earth to restore regions of Earth made uninhabitable by years of corporate wars. The plague spreads out of control and corporate control of the soldiers break down. Dietz uses the opportunity to remove her tracker and take control of her destiny. She figures out how to control her destination and jumps to her first drop on Mars. And she surrenders herself to the Martians and helps them avoid corporate attacks by giving them knowledge of the future. Eventually, she has enough control to trigger her own jumps. And she returns to Sao Paulo before the blink. She converts the population to light and takes them away to start a new life somewhere or someone else. It turns out that she was the cause of the blink all along. And with her help, the Martians will survive the war. That was a good summary. Um, what'd you think? Did you like it? Uh, you know, I did and I didn't. I don't know. It just, it, it was written from her perspective in a way that it was supposed to be confusing. Yes. So I understand the writing style, and I think it was very well written. I just, 
Like, I never really got that she wanted revenge all along until the end. You know, like, there was a lot of her motivations that I feel like we were not privy to either. I did feel that... I, I did get the sense that she wanted revenge, or at least to, like, avenge her family's death in San Paolo, because everyone that she knew was blinked out of existence. But, um... I, I did think it was... I was really confused at first, like her. Like, I was like, what's going on? I was actually listening to the audiobook and I actually went and bought the Kindle because I'm like, I think if I read this, I'll be able to figure it out a little better. Um, and I kind of thought it was kind of a multiverse thing going on. Like, she was, That's like, what I thought it was jumping too. into different universes, uh, which I guess kind of it is like that because because the future's not because the time yeah. yeah the time jumps and like time and universes are so interconnected and quantum blah 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 so but then i was like okay she's just jumping through time which i was a little less excited about uh but i i i i did understand why she wanted to fight um mm-hmm. uh, but it was really dark it was really, like, I was like, Jason's not going to like reading this right now. Like, I feel like you needed a happier book no. to read right now. <laughs> it was good. It was good sci-fi. It uh-huh. was uh, mentally challenging. Yeah. Um, I did feel a lot of influence from other books. Yes. You know, a lot. So, like, even, so she, during one of her jumps, one of her teammates points out the fact that she got shot, like, in their first mission. And it, and he observes the fact that she should have this big scar and doesn't. And it's because for her, that drop hasn't occurred yet. So in a way, she sort of knows that she's not going to get shot until that. Yeah, she, you know, she, she, she seems to know, okay, I'm going to survive this one because I haven't had that experience yet that people know about me. It, it, you know, that reminded me of the time traveler's wife where he knows how he's going to die. Once it happens, he knows, that, oh, we're at that moment now. So that's just when I die. I have not read that or seen that. It's a movie too, right? It's a little, um, it's a little romance novel-y, okay. I think. But it was fun. I read it. I didn't see the movie. Oh, no, I did see the movie. I did not like the movie as much as the book. Uh, yeah, this was really dark. The future was very mm-hmm. bleak. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, Probably one of the bleakest futures that we've seen, I think. Yeah, because it was basically... They really sort of outline our times now as the cause, because whenever she's being interviewed by one of the investigators and they're talking about history, the investigator talks about how you can make a undereducated population believe whatever you want, and you can basically make them act in ways that are not in their own best interests. And... She talks about how that type of manipulation resulted in that corporate future. And, you know, that is a lot of what it feels like is going on in the world. It does. And you can really see this, like, terrible endpoint of uh, the power that we're giving the corporations right now uh, that we are dealing with. Uh, I also thought, you know, with the other military sci-fi that we've read or that really exists out there, you know, Starship Troopers, The Forever War. Starship Troopers was written in 1959 by Robert Heinlein, uh, which was influenced by the Cold War, and you can definitely see that in the the novel for that one. And then The Forever War, which is another uh, sci-fi military classic, was, based, was written in 74, and that was by a Vietnam vet. 
Uh, so, and that one was very Vietnam-y, you know, for the forever war, it's never going to end. Uh, and then now today, you know, we have all these corporate, big corporate things, kind of fake, fake news, all that. So that the book we read, The Light Brigade, seemed to really reflect on that. It's true. It was, um, it was a different, I mean, I've heard of corporations running the world in science fiction before, but this was definitely one of the bleaker representations of that. And, you know, it's sort of the existential threat to our way of life, like nuclear war is. Yeah. Just, you know, we're middle class or whatever we are. We're comfortable. We can eat food. We can get a flu vaccine. Uh, but the ghouls, you know, they, they're worried about uh, getting a cold or getting an infection because they can't get treated for it. And they're scrounging for f- food. Like there's a scene where Dietz finds a, a baby bird that's uh, injured and she brings it home to to, um, you know, try to nurse it back to health and she sleeps with it overnight. And then her mom, like, cooks it and eats it the next day because she needs food. They don't have enough food. And it wasn't even that. She ate it because she was worried she didn't have enough nutrients to breastfeed. Yeah, she had a baby son and she's like, I need to make milk. So just really terrible. And, like, all of that wealth is just concentrated in the CEOs of these corporations that are you know, fighting this war. So initially we think the war is with the Martians, which they call aliens, but they're not really aliens. They're people that have emigrated to Mars. So it's just Mm -hmm. people versus people, which I thought was kind of funny how they call them aliens. Like at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the book, I'm like, wait, what? So the corporations have these CEOs who really don't have any idea of like the, the gruesomeness and the reality of the war that people are fighting, you know, running through fields of, like, bodies and having blood mist spraying on you from the attacks you're running through. You know, it just, the chain of command goes up so high that no one really realized, they're so isolated from it. The average survival is only three drops. Yeah. Which is... That's crazy. Yeah, and this is all just people, and the only reward for enlisting is the hope of citizenship. I think at one point in the book, they're like, oh, we're going to give you all citizenship after 10 years of service. It was at the dedication of that statue. And that statue was in Sao Paulo, right? Right. And so what turns out, so this is what I figured out from the book. Um, And they, at that point, did they kill more people to make room for the corporate town there? Or for the corporate whatever they're making there? Yeah, they wanted to expand, and it was going to... So they were just going to kill a bunch of people, like a bunch of ghouls, so they Mm -hmm. could put up more land. So I think that's why Dietz went back and did the blink, so she could get people out of there, so they wouldn't get killed when this corporate town came in, eventually. Well, I think that was the... I think they would have been killed if the corporate town came. Yeah. But she went the whole time thinking that that the Martians caused the blink, which shattered the moon... And made, you know, all these people disappear in Sao Paulo. Right. But I'm saying, yeah. like, once she got towards the end of the book, when she yes. started figuring out that it was, that that Mars wasn't really fighting Earth. It was just different corporations mm-hmm. fighting each other and, like, kind of framing it as fighting against Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is just, it just seems so pointless, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely was. And it also, it was shocking to me to learn that Sao Paulo wasn't destroyed, just the yeah. sums were. Yeah. You know, it was just, everyone was led to believe that the city was gone. Yeah. It was just the slums. So, or the author, Cameron Hurley, did not really seem to indicate 
the gender of Dietz throughout most of the book. Did you notice that? Well, they did give her name in the, um, when she sees her Yeah, at the mother. end. At yes. The- yes, it's true. In fact, I kept thinking so because I, was, I listened to the audiobook and it was a female narrator. Yeah. I gendered the main character as a female. Uh-huh. But I think she did reference being a lesbian. And sleeping with women. I didn't get that because she was sleeping with men and women during the book. She was sleeping she with did. men and women. But early on, she... She she had a girlfriend. Yeah. But I, I thought that was... I've kind of read a couple things and people commented on that, how she kind of was trying to hide it until the end. Yeah. And it, it was just last name because the book basically starts in basic training. Yeah. And very quickly goes to her bouncing around in time because... At the conclusion of basic training, they jump for the first time. Yeah. And that's when everything goes weird. So did the jump tech remind you of uh, Beam Me Up, Scotty, at all? (laughs) I guess it was converting them to energy, but it was interesting that it was specifically light. Yeah. And it just made me wonder, like, how does... I just I had a hard time understanding. I was like, I "I guess it's sci-fi, and I just pushed the I Believe button. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually didn't even think of it as light. I just kept thinking of it as, like, energy, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah. But it, it, they are called the Light Brigade, so... Well, uh, only the ones that jump around in time. Only the ones that jump around in time. Which, why would they get a special name? I don't get that. I don't get just it either, especially be... if it's a secret. Like, you'd think they yeah. were just the anomalies or the whatever. And it was interesting that the corporation didn't pull her because they wanted her to continue jumping so that they could continue to extract intel from her. Yeah. I wonder if it was it was like the author thought, oh, this would be a cool name for a book, The Light Brigade, and then like went backwards from there. Well, it is a literary reference. Yes, there was a a cavalry, like a horse, like in a, one of the wars in the 1900s, uh, the Light Brigade was your cavalry without any like armor or like equipment on the horses. So you could like run in quickly because you were lighter. I think the Crimean War. I did look it up, but... And one of the characters did reference it, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I wonder where they went at the end. You know? Like, when they blinked. When she blinked everyone. Well, I think that they still were not at... They weren't anywhere at that point. I think that she was still figuring out what to do with them. Because she indicated that it might they might just go to a different star system. Or... You know, or a different time. That is pretty good technology to have. Like, the ability to just move through time. Like, they basically made a Time Lord again. Yeah, true. Like, all these books are basically just making Time Lords. Like, different ways Time Lords could have been created, I feel like. When she's unique, because no one else is going to get this technology now. The, yeah. The corporate wars are over. hmm So, and all of the other people that she was aware of in the Light Brigade were dead. So, but, but she also changed history. So, you know, I just have to wonder how many others are there. I wonder what corporations from today turned into these mega corporations of a thousand years from now. I was thinking maybe, uh, Amazon or Yeah, I think about the modern companies, but I mean, but you also have like... During Gamble's huge. Yeah, that's true. Like all the food um, Unilevers, all those huge distributor Pepsi. manufacturers. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it'd be like Demolition Man. It'll be you know Pepsi Cola versus Taco Bell. Taco Bell, McDonald's. 
I don't think McDonald's would ever take over the world. Not because they're good, but because, you know, they're not as powerful as they used to be. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, maybe I should finish chopping these onions. Yeah, and then let me um, get the oil heated up so we can start sauteing. What did you think of our platoon? It was interesting that they were always smoking weed. I like the platoon. I thought it was interesting just how she would drop a new place and get silent and just, like, wait for people to introduce, you know, just kind of fill her in because she just, was like, sometimes didn't know who anyone was, you know? Yeah, who the officer was. Yeah, and she would, the first time she was like, who are you guys? And they were like, shut up, dudes. She would she would get yelled at sometimes because like she would get the ranks of people wrong. Yeah. So then she just shut up when she got there. She's like, yeah. She even had a quote in there that I highlighted. It was something like, "I may be stupid, but I can learn," or something like that. Because she learned to like keep her mouth shut when she showed up. Only cover the brief. Yeah. So I yeah, I liked I liked Jones, her friend Jones, the one who got his arm blown off. Yeah, I liked him. And it was funny, too. He's like, I want my arm. Keep my arm with me. Like, don't leave it behind. Um, Prakash, her, like, girlfriend that may have died. I couldn't tell. She rematerialized with her arm through a torso on one of their drops. I think she did. So that probably would have killed her. And that's... There was so much interesting... I wanted to know more about this technology. And I know it's you know, made up, but at the beginning, this one girl, one of her, um, they called her grandma, she was 25. She, she didn't get to do her first drop because it didn't work on her. For some reason, she couldn't turn into light. Uh, so they do inject you with a bunch of chemicals that change your body to make you be able to turn into light. It didn't work for this girl. Uh, but then they're like, oh, we redid it and now it's going to work on her. So just like little interesting things like that. And then just the mechanics of some people, like, showing up in, in uh, furniture or, like, in a tree or, like, merged with other people. Just pretty gruesome. And really can see, like, how desperate people were to do this, to get a chance to try to get uh, residency or... Citizenship. I didn't really understand the difference between residency and citizenship. I think that... Um residency, you didn't, like, I think it really was just uh, how many rights you could get. Because you could work as a resident. Okay. And you could still get medical care. But not as much as if you were a citizen. Now, in Starship Troopers, you had to be in the military to be a citizen, right? Yes. But, like, you could still be rich and not be a citizen, like Johnny Rico in Starship Troopers... His parents, I don't think they were citizens. No, they weren't. And they are were like, you don't have to be a citizen, Johnny. You can go to Harvard and go to Zegama Beach. And he's like, no way. I'm going to go. I'm going to join the, Mar- the Colonial Marines or whatever. Mobile infantry. Mobile infantry because, you know, I really just want to follow Carmen, my girlfriend. I could, I could basically recite the whole movie for you right now. I love that movie. <laughs> I don't really like the book. I actually couldn't read it. I um, couldn't get through it, but the movie. I've actually never read the book either. It's very um, hard to read. It's very uh, fascist. 
pro-fascist. Well, it's supposed to be, right? And Because it's a satire. No, the book is not a satire, though. I thought the book still was a satire. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it is. But it's definitely not as fun and satire as the movie. Oh, click if you'd like to know more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start getting that, um, that garlic. How many clothes do you think I should do? Like four? Sure. Or, you know, five. I don't really care. Do you have a garlic press, or what do you do? You just I crush and chop. Actually, can you show me your technique for that? Because I always am like... Yeah, absolutely. Stupid garlic. So oh, sorry. All I do is just this to break it apart. And then... I crush with the knife to get the wrapping off. Uh-huh. Oh, and then you just chop it with a knife? And then you chop it with a knife. Okay. Yeah. There's some green in this too, so, heads up. It won't hurt anything. Yeah, that just means it's ready to start sprouting and growing, right? Spring is coming. My daffodils are already starting to come up. Really? Mm-hmm. I wish we had flowers. We don't have any flowers in our yard. Well, they serve no function, right? Isn't that Cedric's issue? Yeah. I guess we have marigolds, because those uh, keep away bugs in your garden. And the bees like them. So there's a lot of sex and masturbation in the book. <laughs> All the soldiers are always having sex with each other. Yep. Do you think that's because it was like a comfort? Like one of the only comforts they had? I think so. I think you could do it because you're bored. You do it because it's fun. I think, um... Yeah, if there's no stigma, why not? Yeah, there was one scene where I think it was... I don't know who it was. Some Deets and somebody. They had just, like, survived some kind of battle or drop, and they just peeled off their suits and... And went at it. Yep. Like blood and viscera and all. I would be worried there'd be like a like an after crew or something coming in, like gonna kill me then at that point. And I'd be like too busy. Getting busy, you know. I'm curious. I'll have to ask friends if they've ever had, you know, sex on the battlefield. Oh god. Seems like a discussion there. <laughs> Just could bring up some PTSD stuff. I feel like that might be the one thing that doesn't have PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> I think what other books I re it reminded me of. There was, there was a lot of things that jumped out at me. It also reminded me of Old Man Floor a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, that was way more lighthearted. Oh, yes it was. I just really like military sci-fi. I, I, I really do too. I um, You know what? I tend to prefer... You know, that's not true. So, like, Armor is one of the books that's been on our poll for a while, and I, I put it on there because it's actually, it's a standalone military sci-fi book, and it's also pretty dark. You know, and the entire book essentially is about PTSD. Oh. And I think it was written in the 70s. Okay. Well, I'll look that up, and I'll 
Put it on the lid. onions and garlic are looking good. I'll be able to put them into the chili soon. Oh, we got 14 minutes left on the potatoes. Nice. So they did eat, there was some food in the book. Um, they did eat this thing called shit on a shingle, which grosses me out to say, but it was basically like potatoes or tubers with a uh, Beans on toast, which actually sounds pretty good to me, but. And then they had MREs that they ate. So we, we toyed around with getting MREs, but that didn't happen. Also, I don't know how many, if there's gluten-free MREs. Yeah, that was, or vegan, well, vegetarian, I'm sure there's such a thing. Yeah, so my uh, my friend is in the Air Force, and he said that, when he had to eat MREs, the vegetarian ones were always better than the meat ones, so he would always want to get those. Well, I don't know if I believe that. I can believe that. Because he really likes meat. But everything's like a paste. Yeah. You know, so it's not like it's... Like a turkey paste or something? Yeah, it's not like a TV dinner where you're still getting meat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Good call on the onion. Onion makes everything better. I can't eat them raw, but I love them cooked. Yeah, I'm a, I can't eat, eat them raw. Too raw. So once we get these potatoes done, we're going to put the chili on top, and then we're going to add some cheddar cheese and cilantro and some sour cream. So pretty pretty simple weeknight dinner. Uh, Jason and I just went to Far Point Convention this past weekend, so it's a Monday. Uh, so I'm a little tired. So am I. Yeah, because... You know, it's fun. You run around, you stay up all night, you hang out with people you haven't seen in a while. And this is the first con I've been to in like three years because of COVID. So it was exciting. It was exciting. I got to see a lot of faces. Uh, I can't wait for the next one because I'm hoping more people make it. Yeah, it was really empty. But, you know, it is. they did have a cap because of COVID restrictions and people were wearing masks. And I went in the hot tub. Dave and I, um, we did our, we did Expanse cosplay together. Yeah, we did. We, uh, we're starting a crew. Got our own ship. Got our own ship. Hop in the belt. So, okay, I guess we'll take pictures and everything once the food is done. Yep. Oh, and then also we are going to take a spring break. Spring break. Uh, we're just going to take a little break. From the podcast just to kind of rejuvenate, refresh for a couple months until summertime. So uh, you can yeah, still... So stay tuned in May, June because we'll be starting up episodes again in July. So we'll want to make sure that we um, get all your feedback. Yeah. And, uh, you know, feel free to like us on Facebook, follow us on whatever... Everything. Every podcast app there is in the world. And uh, thanks for your support. Bye-bye.